Today's special trade deadline was really lousy edition of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and favorite app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. Go to SeatGeek.com slash BS to start using SeatGeek. That includes Boston transplants looking for tickets to see David Lee and the Celtics on their West Coast trip later this month. How is he still on the team? Don't forget to download the free SeatGeek app and our promo code BS. SeatGeek sends you $20 upon your first purchase. Today's episode is also brought to you by Simply Safe. There is no better way to protect your home. Remember, any home security that says it's free has a huge contract and conditions attached. Simply Safe has no long-term contracts, none, zero. You get the best 24/7 protection possible for just $14.99 a month. Visit simplysafebill.com to get my 10% off discount. Simplysafebill.com. And today's BS podcast is also brought to you by theringer.com. Our new website that we just launched. If you missed it, check out theringer.com. You can sign up for our new newsletter that's going to be launching next month and probably being updated about three times a week until we actually launch the site. A whole bunch of content from a whole bunch of people you'd recognize. You can follow us on Twitter at Ringer or go to facebook.com slash Ringer to follow us on all the social media platforms. We even tweeted there for during the trade deadline today at Ringer. Uh, so check that out, and we are off. Yeah. It's not a three-man podcast, because uh, the microaggressors would say that's not, not correct to say that. Good start. Three-person podcast. Better alliteration. There's just three people. We don't see gender in this podcast. Chris Ryan from The Ringer. Yeah. The Ringer's Chris Ryan. At Ringer. Juliet Lippman, also from The Ringer. Hello. Do your bit about, uh, Chris, do your bit about when we were coming up with fake names. I liked what you had to say on your podcast yesterday, but I think you needed to, you needed, you didn't get the movie right. It wasn't about Tarantino or Scorsese. The specific, the, 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 it was even creepier because it was blue is the warmest color. Carol so, a few times, too. Yeah, it was always like I was introducing myself, checking in at the blue is the warmest color or Carol junket and saying... My name is Chris Chris Ryan, and I'm here to see the luminous Leah Seydoux, and I am from Binge Mode. Who <laughs> <laughs> says no to that? <laughs> or Click. Yeah. That was another one we liked. Fantasy really liked Click. He claims he still liked it. I'm Chris yeah. Ryan from Click. It's Click's not a bad name. It just sounds like a, like a music magazine from like 2003. It sounds like a, a website that would be in The Good Wife. Yes. Yeah. You know, oh. You know? I like where you're going on that. Yeah. Or like you know a what? Canadian website or something. Yeah. What was we, we were surprised. We were so nervous about the name. Yeah. Thought people and uh, and it seemed like people liked the name. I think we overthought the Johnny Knoxville thing. A yeah, little we too really much. overestimated the we really influence did. of that film. Yeah. <laughs> and its hold on the culture. It's been on Comedy Central twice in like ten years, <laughs> and we were like, "Geez, oh, the Johnny Knoxville," and it, it's fine. Is he even famous anymore? Like, if you saw him on the street. Would you, A, like do a double take and does anyone stop him? Johnny Knoxville is super famous from Jackass. Okay. Yeah, yeah like Jack, he, three Jackass movies. Okay. Juliet. Just, he's not really, a, not like a top talent to me. He's not in your oh. Venn Like, were he to be traded today on the trade deadline, I'd be like, oh, that's he, he it. He actually should have been traded today. He It would have fit in with Chaining Fry and Markeith Morris. And <laughs> Johnny Knoxville stretch four. Ones. Yeah, he's totally stretch four. Um, we should wish Juliet a happy birthday. Oh, thanks, happy guys. Happy birthday. Yeah. All right. We're doing this from the temporary Ringer podcast studio in our uh, undisclosed studio offices off of Sunset Boulevard, and Tweets by Tate is next to us. <laughs> Tate, Tate couldn't even manage to get his contact lenses in this morning. That's how much he was crying about Carolina last it night. It was the first 22-year-old performance by Tate yeah. since we've hired him, yeah. where you had uh, Duke Duke beats North Carolina. Yeah. Tate hates Duke more than I hate any, more than I hate cancer. And I really hate cancer. Tate hates Duke more than I hate cancer. And Duke beats North Carolina yesterday. At about, what, 9.15 a day, we're like, Tate's not here. And then 9.40, Tate's still not here. Should we be worried? And then I walk to get a juice, and here's Tate walking the other way. He's got glasses on, which I've never seen. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know he wore he's glasses. He's super hungover. He's sad. He's angry. It was everything I wanted. I was out last night with our buddy Ryan O'Hanlon, who's going to be joining us at the Ringer, and uh, I was supposedly like, you know, wishing him also a happy birthday. So happy birthday, Ryan! But I kept getting distracted by how much Tate reminds me of Grayson Allen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
And when I said oh, that to him this Tate. morning, I've never hurt Tate feel, Tate's feelings before. I never felt like Tate in any felt anything other than love for me, yeah. except for that one second. Where I was like, Tate might take a he shot. He really at me. hates Duke. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I think when you grow up in Carolina, it's either or. Yeah, it really is. It's 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 you're either in one side, or you're in the other. It's it's like the. I don't know, 1700s. It's I don't like think New people, York versus Massachusetts or something. I don't think people from from North Carolina like Duke that much. Like most Carolinians are for UNC, right? Oh, now you're now now you're waking up Tate. He doesn't look hungover for the Public first schools. So that's right. Wait, uh, one more Tate comment, just so you guys know. He oh, I all, had a Tate comment too. Oh, he was watching Seven at 3 a.m. last night. Was he? That's how he was recovering <laughs> from was the he, loss. Was he planning anything? <laughs> Tate Frazier has the upper hand now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do my imitation of Tate complaining that Coach K is missing a Duke game because Duke's not good this season. Yeah. Yeah, he's saying he's sick. Yeah, that's what he always says when his team stinks. <laughs> you guarantee he gets a mystery illness, right? Every time he doesn't have a good team. If this team was top five, he wouldn't be sick. I'll tell you that much. And then ask him what he was saying when Roy Williams had vertigo. Where he's like, they're not telling me what's wrong with Roy. Right. Hubert Davis is my coach right now. What's wrong with Roy? Totally. Yeah, it was great. Now that we're on minute five of Tate talk, yeah. do you think that that's a, a good way of saying how boring this trade deadline yeah. was? I think, no I don't disrespect. Think, I don't think there's ever been a better advertisement. Uh, we should have saw it coming. I think in the past, the trade deadline has seemed like it would be boring. And then all of a the sudden, there would be a flurry of activity. There was no flurry. There was a McFlurry. And so what's the what's the main reason for that, do you think? Well, you Is know, it really the specter of the Warriors, or is it offseason is going to be so different this year as the cap stuff? Yeah, it seemed like the hot take coming out of it was, oh, nobody wants to mess with the Warriors. They're conceding the title. I think that there's a piece of that, but I, I just think it's sometimes there's just years where the available guys don't match what people want. Like if you're Portland or if you're Charlotte, why are you renting Dwight Howard for a year? Mm-hmm. What does that get you? So you make the second round f- for what reason? So you you're just going to get killed at some point in the in the playoffs. And then if you're in the West and you're not OKC and you're not San Antonio and you're not the Clippers, what's the motivation to make a trade? You're going to get waxed. So I I think it was partly that, and then just I don't think the right guys are available. Who is available that you liked? Like, I thought Portland should have rented Dwight Howard for a year, but I wouldn't have given up anything for him. I bet him. it was one of those things where it was like, if Love had gotten traded, if Howard had gotten traded, that would have set off a chain reaction, maybe. Right. But with no big names moving, it's just like... And now, in rec- like looking back at it with an hour of hindsight, you wonder whether the theme of the trade deadline is coaches who were just like... I have to get this guy out of here. So it's like Marquis yeah. or or Lance. Lance, and they're just like, "What do? You, what can I give you? Like, I have a can of tennis balls that I've never opened that I'll throw in with this. You know, like, yeah. what do you want for this? But yeah, without without Dwight or Kevin moving, then or Horford or whoever. Here's my thing about this that I'm kind of worried about: Is the NBA getting too smart? Yeah, we. This is like been a, a we, theme for two years are, now. There are so many teams had like everybody's got a smart guy now. Like you know, Sean Marks, we made we joked about Sean Marks, but by all accounts, great guy, great guy, a great, great guy. Pick up by the Nets, yeah. great guy, um, great really, basketball mind, really impressive work by New Jersey. Learn from I mean, the tutelage of Marcy Buford, <laughs> but you know that is conceivable now that the Nets could be smart now. You know, and that means that there are no more dumb teams really. You have a couple of trigger happy owners, maybe a couple of owners who want to get into the playoffs before, you know, like now, you know, and they're they're willing to mortgage certain things. But I kind of almost wonder whether some of the 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 trade drought is linked to the fact that everybody's too smart to get scooped. What do you think, Juliet? I just think that the like teams like the Rockets and the Hawks, like what do they do now? Like there's not really very many moves for them available. And they're like both they're both like imploded teams basically. There's no way they can win. Dwight Howard can opt out is the other reason why he wasn't traded, right? He's yeah. opt out at the end of year three. So I don't understand really like how they move forward. Like the like Hawks should I think they should have taken a better deal for Jeff Teague instead of taking him off the table. Or I'm never a fan of trading somebody just to trade them. I think you trade from a position of strength. It's like you do anything else. Well, um, like what's the path for the Hawks now? I think they floated stuff out to see if they could ignite some interest in Horford and Teague. And they got a bunch of crappy offers. I'm sure the Celtics were like, hey, we'll give you David Lee and some non-lottery Because it was picks. The, the Celtics, that right towards the end of the deadline, it sounded like Danny Ainge had taken the Brooklyn pick out of any negotiations. You know? Yeah, and they should. Because 
they're not going to win the title this year. There's no player that they could have traded for that would have made them better than the Warriors in a series. So I would have been mad if they traded the Brooklyn pick. I think the only way you do it is if Cousins is on the table. Yeah. So if Cousins is on the table, you know you have him for a couple years and there's nobody like him. And just watching him hustle in the All-Star game got me excited. Yeah. I'm disappointed there wasn't anything stupider done by the Kings, actually. They didn't make any moves. Let's talk about that in a second. I have a take on Sean Marks, who's a great basketball mind and a very smart guy. <laughs> if he's so smart, why would he take the Nets job? Because how many that's jobs a, are there? That's But that's a terrible job. It's the same thing with Brett Brown. It's like, Brett Brown, I got to take coaching jobs. There's only 30 jobs. First of all, 10 coaches get fired every year. Second, he's taking the worst coaching job probably anyone's had in 20 years. He's like a caretaker for a 10-win team. But you're Sean Marks. You have no lottery picks. You have Brooke Lopez, who could get hurt at any moment and be out for the year. And you have no other trade assets other than Thad Young. What? That's a terrible job. I wouldn't. If he's smart, I wouldn't go near that job. I have an, another take on that, which is everyone from the pop R.C. Buford coaching tree has not been that successful anywhere else. Like right. Sam Presti is the butt of all of your jokes. Like, well, he's he's been a good drafter. He's okay. just a terrible trader. And Bud, I mean, so Bud what, came yeah. in and had a. I mean, I know Dan, that's season. Danny Ferry. And Danny Ferry is yeah. from the Spurs too. But he they were that team. They were like a. Well, how? What did they win? Sixty games last year. 50? Is Danny Ferry or? I can't decide. Is that a win for the for the Pop Buford coaching tree or not? I don't. I'm not sure that it's I'm a semi win. Like I'm just not convinced. He did a great that, job in Atlanta, but then he true. then he didn't do a great job in Atlanta. <laughs> Fantasy is so in my head. I'm just so scared. Well, but like back to the Presty thing, though. Like, <laughs> like drafting is good, but then all of his other moves like haven't been that great, and he doesn't he doesn't take the pieces and turn them into like they can't get over the hump, and they're like they're probably just never going to win with this, well, this duo, is, right? And this is where the the Warriors thing is real. I think a little bit is that I know from people I know from Atlanta how much fun they had with that team last year. I didn't have fun with them, but I know Atlanta people who love that team last who year. Who are your people you know in like Atlanta? Rem. Why didn't you just say, I know from Rembert? You made it sound like you knew all these people in Atlanta. <laughs> I was all excited to hear you list the nine, ten people you knew from Atlanta. Lang Whitaker? We like Lang. Anybody Lang's else? Yeah, you know Lang Whitaker. Yeah. There's two. Lang is a so close personal friend of mine. He lives yeah. on the same street as my parents. There you go. That's basically like, that so might as people. well be my brother. Yeah. Does Dobbins count? Yeah. Sure. You know, I, all right. I I take it back. <laughs> a Dobbins, I, I don't Dobbins know if I ever exchanged anything about the Hawks with Dobbins. But the point is, is that a, a good basketball team can provide a lot of joy for the city and the fans and because they can't win the title does not negate the need for them to be in existence and I think it's sometimes a little fatalistic to just be like oh well we're just not competitive so we're going to blow it up like I know that the Thunder are have a long shot of winning a title this year but it's probably really like enjoyable to be consistently like in and around it and go to the playoffs and have guys to cheer for I don't know. Especially what when do you, you have, want from life? Yeah. Especially when you have, you know, Russell Westbrook, which is like fun. Like there's a lot of joy in sure. watching Russell. The Thunder may be a bad example, but like the Pacers or the Hawks or teams that are just like pretty competitive. Tough week for the Pacers. George Hill, Paul George, and Frank Vogel were on The Bachelor, and okay. Frank Vogel didn't get to talk at all. <laughs> it was it was uh it was a little damning. It was real If that was my NBA coach and he shows up in the bachelor and he's just window dressing like he's like the so chauffeur. So he just stood in the background? He did, they just cut him out. They like, edited him out. Completely. Oof. Yeah. It was really bad and they made George Hill wear a hat the whole time to cover his blonde hair. It's just if that's a conspiracy theory of mine. It wasn't as bad as the 20 different plays he designed this season for a terrible Montella shot in the last minute, but <laughs> it was right up there. It was it pretty was, bad. It was a really uh Poor indication of where the people stand on Frank Vogel. People okay. at large. And I like that guy. Or he got edited. Or got edited. And he, it wasn't his fault. He probably was just really normal. Like, and that's or just not fun for people who edited TV. The Bachelor didn't know who Frank Vogel was. <laughs> they didn't know they he's thought a, he was like Paul George's like buddy. <laughs> they didn't know he's the only one who can corral Lance Stevenson into being useful. I have a question. Um, would you consider OKC's act to not like go all in and try to get somebody like Al Horford? Um a typical OKC trying to half-ass it with the team they have move, or am I overrating Al Horford? I, what would you have to give up to get Al Horford? Well, they had they had the right kind of contracts, players type of match that they could have done a three-for-one with stuff. I mean, they have assets. So you, what, you know? Steven Adams? Well, I'm saying like, yeah. But they're going to have to pay Steven Adams at some point. But if you did Steven Adams and you did uh, – 
future pick. I don't think they would put Cameron Payne on the table because no. um, that guy looks really good. He no. jumped he, DJ Augustine's while they got rid of him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think he's an X factor. Yeah. When we get to the playoffs because um, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out what their crunch time lineup is, but I know if they had Horford, now I know it's Horford, Ibaka, Durant. Westbrook. So, but when you get to Golden State, though, doesn't, pain, doesn't Durant have to play four, or do you think that that's still? A, I don't know because Horford can switch. Yeah, he can move around and do stuff, and then so can Ibaka, and maybe that's the type of team you need to have. Now, I don't think Horford's been as good this year as he's been last year, and uh, and he has a couple shoulder things in the past, and maybe he's thirty. Yeah, I get it. He's got some wear and tear. Um, played hard at Florida. You know, maybe he's just maybe teams thought they had miles on him. I thought for sure the Celtics were going to trade for him if he was on the table without the Brooklyn. Yeah, I I don't want to like lose you for thirty minutes, but (laughs) do you mind that they haven't that they didn't make a deal? It just seems like they were in this no man's land of the Brooklyn pick was too good to give up, right? But none of their other picks were good enough. Like, hey, we got we can give you nineteen and twenty three in a bad draft, right? Any interest? I kind of want them to keep those picks because I. I have a crush on Valentine from Michigan State, who I fell in love with last year, and then he was in the second round in Chad Ford's big board. Um, by the way, Chad, I'll never forgive you for doing a trade value column. I'll never forgive you ever in my entire life. But sorry, guess. Uh, but wherever I stand, I stand with SG. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Valentine though is right around where those picks are. Tate, do you like Valentine? He Tate nodded. Says, yes. He's watered, so, watered down Draymond. Water down Draymond. Water down that Jaymon. felt really insulting. Wow. He's shorter than Draymond. Water down. He's he's good though. He he will be on a playoff team like in that six, seven, eight, ninth man role. Okay, but I think there's a lot of those guys in this draft. Yeah. So maybe I don't know. Do they win the title if they get Al Horford? No. No. The problem Did, for could the they Celtics, beat Cleveland without Horford? I think Cleveland's beatable. Am I crazy to think that? No. No. But maybe not Especially, now that they got their stretch four. <laughs> he stretched all right. So he's been good th- in two years. One thing that I think is underrated for this trade deadline is that LeBron lost two so-called friends from Cleveland. Um, Cunningham and, and Anderson. And, yeah. yeah, and Vergeau. And Kufos and McLemore did not get out of Sacramento, which is like, that's a loss and a loss for LeBron. Tough breaks, t- tough times for clutch sports. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I saw like Chaining Fry, if you look at his stats shooting like basically 39-40% from three the last couple of years. Every sh- one of those shots is wide open. Yeah. Right? So you can't, you can't compare that to somebody like James Harden. James Harden's 36% from three, but probably one out of every seven shots he takes is a really hard shot yeah. with a hand in his face or in the shot clock. In Channing Five, he took 100 threes over the last two years, I bet, 85 of them, he's wide open at the top of the key or the side of the key. And against a team like Cleveland, I don't, I'm not positive you're getting that shot. It, but with Channing Fry, also, there's like a chain reaction where he opens up the floor for everybody else. I do Allegedly. think that Cleveland has somebody who's apparently a, a bigger guy who can shoot from outside who <laughs> supposedly should open the floor up for everybody else. But where are you putting him? Channing Fry or Kevin Love? Well, that's my point. <laughs> All right, let's say I'm playing Chaney Fry and Kevin Love together, and Kyrie has the ball and LeBron has the ball. And Chaney Fry likes to be near the top of the key. So Kevin Love's now where? Right back where they didn't want him, where where David Blatt was using him. So that means they can't, it would be weird to play. The geometry doesn't work with those two guys at the same time. So is Chaney Fry, Kevin Love insurance in case, you know, that's the other thing that's. That's my point. I I don't think he plays unless Love's. This is the other reason why I think. I wonder if Love's it's been a couple. It be feels a like it's been a few years. It was since the like the Abaca injury against the Spurs a few seasons ago that a playoffs has been really defined by an injury. But I feel like we're due, and I don't mean to like. Is that, is that dark? Like, no, I just feel like you always say that like, we're due for because an injury. I just think that we always look at things where it's like this is fixed. Like this is a fixed thing yeah. that this team is better than this team, and we are like a Steph ankle roll away from something weird happening. First of all, how dare you? I'm not how trying to curse you even, him. You just Tate fell asleep again. <laughs> Tate, you're right. Tate, that really hurt Tate. That was feelings. like that. You just did the, the Roy Williams fall. <laughs> um, I think OKC is closer to Golden State than I think people are giving them credit for, and I think San Antonio is too. I think mean, you can't judge San Antonio during the regular season. What um, about Aldridge though? Like, I feel like he's kind of plateauing a little bit with this team. Like he was, he was really lost at the beginning. Started playing yeah. better than their system, and now heading into the All Star break, he just hasn't been 
you know, quite the prolific scorer that we're used to seeing. And like, sure, he gets the ball less, but it just seems like he's taking fewer of his like signature shots on the elbows. It's cruise control. Okay. I think that whole team is February, March is when they just kind of they become bears. They really needed Channing Fry. Start <laughs> spread the floor a little bit. Channing Fry. One thing about OKC is I, I feel like Robertson is not really going to turn into the piece that they w- like were hoping he was, he was playing going better to. when he got hurt. Yeah, then MSN he's hurt, but he probably would have been a good trade asset if he was not yeah. hurt a week or two ago. How many people have have the Thunder plugged into that spot? Over the last like five, six, seven years, and the, none of them the have ever really to, fit. The, the plugging like, Harden spot, the Dion Waiters, Derek Fisher, Anthony like, Morrow, Anthony Morrow, Jeff Green was there for a while. He's going down the line. Yeah. yeah, there's been a million of them, and they've never totally. Who was the other guy? Was Eric Snow there one year? Or am I imagining that? Was, like that? was that Cleveland? Yeah, it was yeah. Cleveland. There was an Eric Snow type person, but they've had a million of those guys, and um, they had Ish Smith. They've never been totally. <laughs> to God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they've drafted a couple, but they've never really found that fifth guy. It's it's and the Clippers are a lot the same way. Now it's like they're maybe Jeff Green's our fifth guy, and it's like no, it's I've we've seen that play before. These three teams have given up Je- on Jeff Green now. Who? What do you think? And I like Jeff Green. I should say I thought he was going to help Memphis. I just, who is a team that didn't make a deal that should have? Because like Milwaukee was somebody that everybody was talking about, where there was really, except for Giannis, there was nothing was off the table with Milwaukee, and that Greg Monroe might get traded. Yeah, but if you stink though, why do you have to shake it up? I've never understood that premise. Like, just there's 30 games left. Just get through the 30 games and shake it up in June. Just you're, you're just one Newt Rockney speech from Jason Kidd away. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think Carter Williams says trade value. OKC is the team that I was hoping would actually about do. That. <laughs> I wish OKC had done something that wasn't Randy Foy. Yeah. It, that just feels like a classic half-assed, I'm kind of doing something but not really move. Like, just go make a move. Go get somebody. Get somebody who can be one of the five guys for you in a game six in OKC if you're somehow up three to two against the Warriors. That's what I wanted. They've been shoot, They've been looking for like a three-point shooter for as long as the team is in Oklahoma City, like a reliable, like Kyle Korver type, and they've never gotten it. They were hoping Morrow would do that, but now Singler's playing ahead of him, which is crazy. The, I was, the, I the was, press stats were all telling us that uh, Mor- Morrow was going to be that guy. Right, yeah. and it, he wasn't. They, they still need that. They were in play for a They were in play for Aflalo last year when he yeah. went to Portland, and I always thought that they should have. Like, he would have been really good for them. They should sign my guy, Darrell Wright. He's back from China. <laughs> what do you think He's that's... available, people. <laughs> One of the things that's happened is that the, just because the way the game's played down, you really saw it at this trade deadline. There's not enough swing guys. There's not enough 3D yeah. guys. And there's way too many big guys. And everybody can trade for a big guy, but nobody can trade for a 3D guy. I, w- like, I was not surprised that Houston didn't trade Ariza, but I thought that was the move if Daryl was kind of subtly tanking, which I think was in play. I think... If it was up to him, and he, he hasn't told me this, I'm just guessing, you dump Howard, you get under the tax, you trade Ariza for a pick, and you basically pack it in. They keep their pick if it's a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe Ariza would be a guy that somebody would overpay for. But he had, he's another guy who hasn't been playing that great the last couple of years. I, th- I think he's fine, but he's I don't know if he's like, would he have swung OKC's title hopes? Probably not. I don't, I don't know, know I mean, who the guy is. I, I don't know. <laughs> They seem like they were Ben McLemore. That seemed like a classic OKC trade, like a little bit of the waiter's logic of Ben McLemore, <laughs> bring him in, see if maybe he's the guy. I was thinking about Ben McLemore today. and you How remember, sad he was? I can't remember who it was a couple of, of years ago where I was like, I've never seen that guy make a shot. It was Jeff Green. Jeff Green. I don't know if I've ever seen Ben McLemore play. You like in the, in the stretches of Kings games that I've watched, he's just never participating. That's not true right. because when we were really into them under the Mike Malone regime, he was a big part of that. So I know that you've seen him play. Okay, ben McLemore? Just like yeah. been wiped For the 11 memory. games that, that you Somebody watched came up with the, the men in black pen, and I just can't remember watching Ben McLemore. <laughs> I've been saying this for a while. I think at some point the Spurs are going to get their hands on him. And it might not be until like 2024. Interesting. But he'll find the right team, and all of a sudden be like, oh, Ben McLemore. He has future Sixer written all over him. Nice. Well, you're ready to welcome into your heart. The distressed asset all-stars. Uh, one thing I like to think about after the trade deadline is – Who's the most miserable to not have been traded? Oh yeah, and like you would Dwight say, Howard. I I think he's not um, 
like bothered enough by like what other people have to think say and think about him in some weird way or no let me rephrase that i don't think he's like worried enough as a human like i don't know if he like internalizes stress so yeah, i feel he's like tr- he's, he's just fine. like drinking a baja blast he's mountain like, dew yeah. and he's just like who am i playing for talk like, to me a capri sun i'm <laughs> <yeah>. good <laughs> but i just feel like i feel like so i feel like harden's probably even more pissed that howard's not gone than howard is that he still has to play there oh i think there's a whole there's so many other levels to how it plays out they have to go get dinner to talk about stuff. Oh, yeah. And then there's going to be the leak story on, like, Saturday of Dwight, Hart, Dwight Howard and James Harden had a great dinner. <laughs> they hash some stuff out. Things are better now. Can we get Howard to date a Kardashian? Courtney's available. I think I think Howard's available. <laughs> it's funny, though. It's like, for each of them, it's the worst possible scenario for a teammate for what they like to do, right? Harden, it's like Howard just clogs the lane. He has to watch him shoot 17 free throws a game. And then Howard has to just kind of stand there and watch James Howard do stuff. I, I'm in the James Harden's amazing camp. I, I watched him a couple of times. I looked at his stats for stuff because he was throwing around kind of casually in some trade rumors. And I, and I was thinking, like, that seems improbable. Then you go look at his stats. Like, this is his fourth straight year where he's putting up, like, 27, 7, and 7. Takes like seven threes a game. He gets to the line ten times. He's their whole offense. He's on this chemistry nightmare of a team. Not that he's not part of it, but um, I, I, I think he's untouchable. I wouldn't trade him unless you're getting like a top seven guy back. Do you think Houston has a shot at Kevin Durant? I don't know. I don't know. They're Would really you, tight. You wouldn't have said they had a shot at Dwight Howard. Right. I think he's staying. I think he's saying too. Can I tell you guys about SoFi? Please. Ooh, I'd love to hear about it. It's a new kind of company that's sending shockwaves, the good kind, through the financial world. SoFi decided that banks aren't going to fix banking, so they brought some Silicon Valley smarts to the table. Kind of like, as smart as Sean Marks. <laughs> uh, like, as smart as Sean Marks, but if Sean not Marks as smart was in as Silicon Valley. Bobby Axe Axelrod? Yeah, Bobby Axe. <laughs> They brought some Silicon Valley smarts to the table. Unlike the big banks, SoFi is designed for the 21st century, progressive, nimble, innovative. They don't judge their numbers based on a FICO score. That's how you pronounce it. Instead, they look at their potential. If they show promise, they'll back you for life. And because SoFi is not a bank, they can provide services and rates that the banks can't. Um, If you're looking for a financial partner designed for the 21st century... Visit SoFi.com and discover why banks aren't the future of banking anymore. Terms and conditions apply. NMLS number 1121636. SOFI.com. All right, back to the trade deadline. Um, I don't know what to make of Durant. And I don't believe any story I hear. I think the Warriors story was the single dumbest story of the year. I don't think the Warriors are focused on him at all. I think it was all BS. Don't you think it's BS? I couldn't. Yeah. Other teams just floating that out. Oh, man, they're already looking at Durant. It's like, no, they're not. They want to win back-to-back titles, and they're 15-4. and four. Right. Coming here on Saturday night. I know. I know. I'm at Yusiki trying to get a ticket. <laughs> what an organic pug that was. Uh, who do you think was the most bummed out not to be trading, Chris Ryan? I have to imagine that Kevin Love might be... I mean, I don't think Kevin Love wants to be traded, but this is just never... Is this ever going to work out for him there? No, it's just not. You have to... I think he's got to go through one more ride with this team. I think he would look like a quitter if he asked out, don't you think? Oh, definitely. I went to that game three. I keep coming back to it. Game three in Boston, when the game before Love got hurt, and it really did feel like they were figuring out that offense and guys slashing and getting to spots and Kyrie LeBron love together. Yeah. I walked away, and J.R. Smith launching threes. I walked away from that game thinking, like, uh-oh. They've, they've figured this out. This is this is a team that could win the title. And then he got hurt. And they've never I've never seen them with that same energy again. I think that the answer, what I would have done if he hadn't been traded, uh, would have been Markeith Morris. Because mm-hmm. I don't know that anyone has wanted to be traded worse than he this. Did, he this got long. traded. I know. I'm oh. saying if, if he hadn't been traded, Markeith. Oh. I mean, he really wanted out of Phoenix. But for the most part, I mean, it's been a weird couple of weeks where – the like there was Doc coming out and saying that there was no way that they were ever gonna that they were gonna trade Blake, and you know even Earl Watson was like we're gonna build around Markeith Morris I'm gonna nurture him. <laughs> uh, it's strange that these guys like were kind of messing with their own leverage by making these public statements about that. Yeah, can you make sense of anything Phoenix has done for two years though? No, I, that's a pretty precipitous drop off from like the most fun. 
exciting young team with just assets coming out of their ears to to this. Yeah, like almost having to apologize to Robert Sarver for making fun of him this yeah. whole time. Juliet, you're our Mavs correspondent. Yeah, I'm here the for Celtics you. have their number one pick. It's top seven protected. And Dallas is like one Nowitzki slight calf strain away from dropping into the lottery. Like it's it's their hair away now, and they didn't try to improve the team at all, which I thought was interesting. Why do you need to improve your team when you have one of your your cornerstone pieces coming back from injury and suddenly playing really well? Who's that? Berea? Jim <laughs> Parsons. Parsons. There's a picture of him in this office right now. <laughs> what team would you not want to play out of the under the four se- top one, top two, top three, top four? Anyone below that, who would you not want in the to West? play in a playoff series? You know, I... It's a fun question. I, is, in the West only? Is Portland in yet? Portland, I think, is in. I'm going to pull it up. I would. I just can't wait to watch Lillard and McCollum in the playoffs. And I just wonder whether or not with the soccer moms and the shooting, like... There could just be a little bit of a. I know that I know that they probably don't have the guys, and that they're also young, and there's also many weird like Vonleh pieces that they're throwing around. But I would I I would really not want to see Lillard and McCollum every night for set for two weeks. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see Utah because <laughs> mm. they they haven't really been healthy that much this season. And at some point, like in March or April, they're going to have their whole team having had play together for yeah. four or five weeks, and they have size. They have a good coach. They have, yeah, a good coach, perimeter guys I like. Alec Burks is going to, that he had an ACL. What did he have, an ACL injury? It was in his shoulder. Or shoulder or whatever. But physically he, uh, you know, usually when you're out for that long, it takes a while to get back. But I, I just like the look of that team. Memphis is in five right now. They'll probably fall out with uh, Marcus Hurt, right? I thought there was, I asked Chris Vernon, uh, old friend of the Grantland channel. Yeah, and, he's got a great uh, show. Grantland.com. I asked him if it. Because he, he was saying Connolly was untouchable. And uh, I was like, really? Why wouldn't they trade Connolly? It makes so much sense. Like, Gasol's out for the year. Like, just reboot. And apparently he's, like, he's a grizzly for life. And him and Gasol are boys. Really? Yeah. I, I like was that. surprised. Makes me like him more. I like that loyalty. Mike Connolly and Mark Gasol. Big Spanish guy. Grew up in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Oden's former best friend. Grew up in uh, Indiana. I don't know what they have in common but apparently it's a bond for life man that's the, really uh, nice that's special yeah the jeff green lance stevenson trade was yeah let's talk about that pretty i remember a couple of weeks ago when this deal happened and i was like oh jeff green that's weird i mean it's pretty obvious that doc loves acquiring players the that he- he've ever done really well against his teams or he used to coach and that is the limit of his scouting <laughs> or people yeah he's this is <laughs> yeah when you're the gm and you only uh know players you've coached for or against he was probably like putting typing sheldon williams's name into bing as like somebody yeah. was just like look jeff green is available if you want to send lance and those those tennis balls but just a couple of months ago there was some jeff green incident where I don't know what he did or didn't do, but the, one of the Memphis beat writers was like, basically there was there's some questions about Jeff Green's level of interest in the game of basketball. Mm. <laughs> I love when those stories come yeah. out. Like someone has to float that for it to come out. Like someone who's like usually on management because, I mean, like that's just a ridiculous thing to say. Like Jeff Green's been playing basketball his whole life. Like sure. Like that's just I had loved those stories. They're I think they're always just so so incredibly malicious. Like I feel like. That comes out about that when that came out about Andrew Bynum, which might, that have, was been, true, might have been true. Yeah, <laughs> just... yeah. See, I'm going the other way. As somebody who watched Jeff Green and wanted him to succeed, like there was an edge that just was not there with him. And he'd have games where he looked awesome, you know. And I, I actually thought he was more of a complimentary player than a main guy, which is how the Celts were using him near the end. But you know, he had these games where he looked like James Worthy. And Tommy actually thought he was James Worthy. Oh, Tommy Hansen. Yeah. Like, it looks like James Worthy. <laughs> You're just going crazy. And uh, and then he'd have five points He's the like next James game. James Worthy. Oh, yeah. But he would, He actually did have the one-handed running Worthy dunk like Worthy yeah. did. And did some of the same things, but it just Jeff Green has three go. dunks a year where you're like, I would I would give up my firstborn child for Jeff Green. Yeah. And then you realize that then Jeff Green will score like three points against against Sacramento one night and play 16 minutes. It's kind of a Celtic tradition to have guys like this that drive my dad crazy. And somehow they don't have any of them right now. But the the guy who just is out of it for a game and my dad's just sad in his seat, like wondering why he doesn't care. Where's more. your dad at on Evan? My dad loves the Celtics team. 
I love Evan Turner. Yeah. I love him. I, I the only crowd loves Snapchat Evan Turner. Can his... you tell t- tell pe- tell the people what Evan Turner's uh, all star philosophy was? So first of all, he was in Jamaica with his girlfriend and Michael Carter Williams. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. What? <laughs> yep. They How were, are they friends? I don't know, but they were at a club together. Evan Turner is so part of the pun turnt on Snapchat. It's unbelievable. He just like every day will be like lying in bed and just like talking into the camera, sharing his positions. Uh, and he said revisiting his time in Philadelphia. Re- yeah, he said he had something along the lines of like F Philly forever on Snapchat. <laughs> oh no! And he's al- he also said on Snapchat, if you're at All Star and you're not in the game, men and women, you're a thought. And <laughs> he's like very. Uh, acerbic on snapchat it's so entertaining it's- titus said he was acerbic acerbic yeah he, he used to he said he was like the most complicated teammate he'd ever had <laughs> i loved him he's super moody he also takes a lot of pictures of his teammates like with stacks of cash like when they're playing poker on the plane he's like always commenting on how much money people have basically it's incredible i recommend a follow that's interesting because I, I can imagine him having a weird social media because he's so so weird to watch game to game. The thing I love about him is how what a gamer he is. Yeah, he's he's freaking competitive. This whole Celtics team—it's like this team that just doesn't make sense. That Clippers any game was awesome. Yeah, they all of them fight. They have eight guys who just fight. Marcus Smart, two times in the last week, he was his Celtic was shooting a free throw and he was on the second block going against like a big rebounder. And just basically overpowered the guy and got the rebound. Like, he's one of those guys. And they have a bunch of those guys. Evan's actually a guy who probably is better suited to being a veteran who knows his limitations and doesn't have the pressure on him of being, like, a number two pick anymore. And it's you can tell that, like, his attitude is a little bit more like I've been through this a few times. Right. He's not trying to be on the All-Star team anymore. He's just, like... Or like to... save Indiana's season, yeah. yeah. Oh man, that was the, that was the saddest Evan Turner. <laughs> Evan uh, Turner and Indy. I was doing the show with Collins that year, and Collins called it like from the get go. Really, it's like he needs to be involved. He needs to have the ball in his hands. If you're having him stand over on the left, it's out. You might as well just play four and five. My favorite thing about right. that that Clippers Celtics game was like. Evan that was Turner, one of the games of the year. Yeah, and he had scored something like eight points in a row or something. It was almost single handedly beating yeah. the Clippers in overtime, and you could just feel how painful it was for Isaiah Thomas to like seek him out and pass it to him. He's like, in any other situation, I should be chucking right now. Yeah. But I cannot deny the fact that Evan Turner is is on fire. Well, he had Jamal Crawford guarding him. Yeah, that's true. That was uh, a Brad Stevens just ass slap at Doc Rivers. That was the bit. All the Celtics fans, that was the takeaway. I was like, wow. <laughs> wow. we A way worse team from a talent standpoint. And... It was just coaching and effort. I wish we could hire Brad Stevens for the ringer. I just feel like he's really talented. Who knows what he could bring to the table? <laughs> but I wouldn't want to take him away from your favorite team. So it's a tough call. That would be tough. That would be like when uh, the Miami Dolphins owner, when Michigan was trying to hire Harbaugh. Yeah. And he knew he should go after Harbaugh. But, but he was he like, I can't go off. against the only matter. And then yeah. he was like, it's not about the Michigan thing at all. But meanwhile, he's one of Michigan's <laughs> biggest owners. And they end up with Harbaugh. My favorite thing is when Harbaugh is just so, such a savage to coaches. And then like Brad Stevens will do something well. And like it's the Twitter equivalent of like the 2001 space, like last space drop scene. <laughs> he's just like, good good call by Stevens there. Oh, what a coach. <laughs> what, a, what a play. He runs some of the best end of the game plays I've ever seen. And that's this is a whole coaching thing now where they all studied it. Like Steve Kerr said, he studied, had his staff make like 150, 200. He, he compiled them in a computer as he was trying to figure out whether he was going to coach or not after his last broadcasting year. And then you watch these guys that are like, all right, uh, so Russell, we're going to throw it to you and just take a three. Just try to get something. And that's is, it. Is there any team – that you think could make like a really interesting get hot in the second half of the season and make things interesting, or is it just is it just all fail completely? That's the, these four teams. What do you think? I, I would just love to see like I would love to see Toronto upset Cleveland or just some really like exciting like a Boston or a Toronto upset Cleveland. Not that I I don't want LeBron to be in the finals. I think that would be really exciting to see him play against Steph, but. I would just I just think it would be so exciting to have like a really competitive awesome 7 game Eastern Conference finals. I think it's more likely we get that finals but in the 7th game Cleveland shoots 58 free throws. Right. And everyone in Canada and it could be the closest we come to some sort of North American conflict. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like 
a, a big thing like in the NBA is just that everyone loves Toronto. Everyone loves to talk about how fun the city is. Like not even like yeah. how they play. It's really, really, it's quite a turnaround. And everyone's like Toronto's the best city. Right. Like opposed to like just never wanting to play there. Everyone likes and everyone like loved All Star there except for the weather. I don't know. I just feel That's like a pretty big in. except for the weather. They, everyone I talked about from All Star said it was like absolutely bone-chillingly freezing. Really? Off the record the sl- commentary. I think, I think the slam dunk being incredible was... Was Sean Marks cold? <laughs> Sean, Sean Marks. His, his, uh, his high IQ keeps him warm. <laughs> what? Speaking of the slam dunk, what is Orlando doing? Like, what is happening with them? I don't know. Well, they only made one, two trades. Yeah, but... But they, they got just wanted to get Aaron Garden playing time. At the expense of Alfred Payton? Are we sure Alfred Payton's good? I think you have to let shoot. Alfred play. I think you have to let him play it out, right? I'm I'm in Alfred Payton's corner, and I even told my friend Mike Mendelson to buy Alfred Payton rookie cards back in the day. <laughs> yeah, he, you he were really high on card. him, I, and I still am. How's Oladipo Just doing? Not sure. Not positive he's good because something's wrong with that team, right? You just gotta start looking around. Oladipo's just on the wrong team. Like that guy should be. We got the Tate nod from that. Yeah. He's, he should be a two guard on like he would be an unbelievable Celtic if you put him on this Celtics team with Bradley Smart and and uh, and Isaiah and Crowder. I wouldn't even want a center. Just send those four guys. Send <laughs> Is those that where we're going out. now? Are we gonna yeah. have like it's just be like, competitive? I remember in like 2006 and the Hawks had like six six foot seven guys. Yeah, and that was it. It was like Joe Johnson, Josh Smith. And it was just all guys who it, were man. like six foot three to six foot eight, and that was it. They were, it really was those mid-2000s Hawks teams, trailblazers. You and all your Atlanta friends loved watching those games. Yeah. I Myself, love big boy. <laughs> I was thinking about Arthur, how bad of a GM I would be and how hard it must be to make a trade. Because I love Oladipo, and I just call in Rob Hennigan and be like, Hey, Rob, hey, just check it in, man. Deadline's coming up. So, uh... Yeah, well, you got anything cooking? You just see, it's like seven minutes of foreplay, and then like, hey, uh... Oladipo, uh, what are your plans for him? What do you think you got going with him? Is he you're happy with him? Yeah, like he maybe. Like how how do you get to the point where you're like, so what do you think? Well, how did Stan Van Gundy Which, get to the point where he was just like, you guys should take Brandon Jennings? I think Hen- I think Hennigan is quietly shopping Harris around. Gets to Detroit, and Detroit's like, you ask for two expirings and a pick. And Stan does the whole, I can't give you the pick because I'm going to make another trade with that pick and I got to keep my pick. And goes back and he's like, I'll Stan give you two expiring. Like, I can't give you that pick. He's like, Rob, Rob, come on. <laughs> Rob, I wasn't born yesterday. He's doing that whole thing. Uh, probably tries to neg him a little bit on how expensive Tobias is. Uh, 16, 48 million left on his contract. I don't even, what is he good at? Like he probably does that thing. And then, like, begrudgingly say, all right, fine, Jennings and, and, and you know, Ely Silva. I, yeah, fine, fine. And then he's, like, fist-pumping. with. It's like Jonah guy. Hill and Moneyball, just, like, yeah. making the fist. Yeah. Harris is another guy. Zach and I seem to be the last two people on the earth who like Harris. I really like him. I just think I, – I don't think you can judge anyone on that Orlando team. They were all on the wrong team. What are, a bad the, fit. The Pistons are in what now? They are not ninth, so they're outside of the – Well, so the Harris it. thing's good because you know – you could just put him in a Marcus Morris role and he could do most of that stuff, right? He could do that undersized forward stuff. He can't shoot threes really. Neither I don't think Marcus Morris was that great at shooting no. threes either. But he's gonna be now you know you have that guy the whole game, basically. The six eight scrappy guy. Yeah. And, I think uh, Zach was saying the other day that now that like with KCP, Tobias, Stanley Johnson, Drummond. you can just run this like hydra at people. You can right. switch everything. You, and you're going to try to do like an Orlando type thing. They don't have the same three-point shooters, but right. Drummond and just guys spaced around. I would trade Drummond if I were them. Uh, you would trade Drummond? I would. Interesting. But only for, for like a giant piece. Oh. Like who is that? Like I would try to rope the Kings into a Boogie Drummond thing because Boogie's just better. Yeah. That's where yes. be like, hey, man, we, <laughs> yes. let's do. Like, I think even, even Vladi might know that. Like he might just be like, <laughs> no. It's unclear. <laughs> yeah. That was my favorite story of the last uh, week. Uh, that Woj had that thing about uh, Vlade is still confounded by the salary cap stuff. <laughs> it's like, how, how hard is this? It's like, Tate, Tate can figure out on the trade machine in five minutes when he's hung over and depressed from the Duke games. How hard is it to be like, oh, yeah, Allen that guy's got a machine. This guy's got a. Vlade's like, what is a trade kicker? What is it? I don't understand a trade kicker. 
How does that affect the cap? Like, hire, it's not rocket science. Did they hire like a junior person to be under him? Wasn't that yeah, a rumor too? How about the hundreds and thousands of people who would be happy to be Joey Lippman would be Divac's right man? I, I know one who would love to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Future NBA Commissioner Joseph Lippman. Yeah. Call him up. He would love to give you some tips, Lottie. That would be a good present for your brother is a basketball. You know the commissioner's signatures mm-hmm. of the basketball? You somehow work a connection and get the basketball with Commissioner Joseph Lippman. Or even better, idea. you just give it's him a basketball one, right? signed by Sean Marks. Yeah, <laughs> even more valuable. How about touched by Sean Marks? <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Sean Marks is here. You have no lottery picks for the next three years. Tomorrow, Durant's just like, you know, I know that they have no cap space and next to no assets. And they play in a giant rusty pirate ship in the middle of Atlantic Avenue, but just because Sean Marks is there, mm. I feel like I have to take my talents to Brooklyn. <laughs> but a blogger at DailyThunder.com had had a croissant with Sean Marks once and said his whole life was altered. <laughs> oh, oh man. man. He just cannot be that good if he takes that job. I'm sorry. Like if you took a job right now at the worst website of the earth. Yeah. And you had no hope for three years. We would all be like, what the hell is Chris doing? But when well, I get to run that website? Yeah. In. You're going to be terrible <laughs> three years. You're out. <laughs> you quit on the ringer. This is the worst. We need you, man. You can't go. Come on, CR. <laughs> um, would you rather be the GM of the Kings or of the Nets? The Kings. The GM of the Nets is the worst job in the league. There's no worse job. If I was. You can't. They're, 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 the worst job does not exist. What's worse than that? If I had bumped into. If I had gone to Toronto, bumped into Vladi, talked my way into becoming the assistant GM or the GM of the Kings, talked my way out of my ringer contract, first thing I do is trade for Hazonia. That would be my first act as any GM of any team, including the Warriors. Just trade for, the for chemistry Hizonia. factor? Yeah, just for, for everything. Rondo, Hazonia, and Cousins on the same team. Mm. I, I, you, when's the, I don't even know when you get a ticket for a Kings it's game. Such think- a great draft. What, a, what an awesome this draft collection awesome. of dudes. All guys I just like watching. Like, I was just watching Miles Turner. Like He's the, fine. I've been watching Miles Turner for the last couple of weeks. Just like, how did that happen? I know. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. It was like great. NBA body teams are worried about it, like his knees and his legs. That's actually probably why people thought that Danny Ainge was going to give up so much for Horford or, or Love or whatever because he offered, you know, the keys to Boston for Justice Winslow. But he looks right. I think when you look at uh, how much Chipotle he eats, Justice Winslow or Danny? No, Ainge? Danny Ainge. Okay, I think he just had too much Chipotle that day. Yeah. And he panicked. Because it's crazy. Like, we offered them four picks, including the Brooklyn pick. That everyone, for Ju- for Justice Winslow, like, and I think Justice Winslow has a chance to be, like, a multiple all-star. But yeah. I don't think he's a superstar. Right. I think Danny was just like, ah, screw it. But now, ever want? since he's gone off Chipotle, he's just like, I'm not throwing a Brooklyn pick in for Kevin Love. Like, <laughs> Right. Well, what about Charlotte? Could add four first rounders. They could have just moved back like three picks yeah. in that trade. They moved back to thirteen. They would have gotten Devin Booker, who been, you'd rather have yeah. than Frank Kaminsky. Definitely. Which one? Devin Tate Booker's the one who's like in. actually seventeen, right? In the sun, at the sun. Yeah, and he's really good. Lyles is so good. Yeah. Devin Booker had a nice big cup of coffee in the uh, three point contest. Yeah, he was he great. The finals. He's with Clay and Steph. He looked really happy. He was yeah. like, he was shocked he did that well. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, I thought texting his friends during the three point contest was probably very no, he didn't do that. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh yeah, they all have, they do have their phones on the side. I believed you for a second. I had uh, dinner last night with Kevin Wilds and David Jacoby of uh, oh. former colleagues at uh, the Worldwide Leader, and I think Jacoby was the one saying this. Like, why do they have ball racks for the three point? Why don't they have the passes fed to them? And then. I don't know. We got excited about that idea because it's so much pressure on the guy sending the pass that it's, yeah. it's like the home run derby. I'm getting missy. I, I missed Jacoby's mind. These yeah. are the kind of questions I just don't know to ask. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so you have Clay Thompson there and Steph God, Curry there. That's a really good question. I don't know. Why same, do they have ball racks? They have the same Warriors guy throwing them the passes, but like the Warriors guy maybe like Steph or he's trying to suck up with Steph a little bit more. So one, the Clay Thompson money ball pass, maybe he throws that a little to the right. <laughs> Maybe it's somebody like Tate that's throwing the passes. Maybe Tate puts a little bet in on one of the two guys. It just screws up one of them. But there's so many fun wrinkles to that. Tate's that throwing passes while he's got Bovada open on his phone. 
Dirty secret. Nobody really loves the three point contest. It's fun, but it ultimately like I can't remember who wins any three point contest. It's I, it's fine. There's too many people. They can in spruce it. it up. Yeah. There was like there's like eight or ten people, right? That first round's too long. I, I don't. It's need, way too they long. They would never don't let those guys those play people. knockout, right? Just because somebody would get hurt. Well, I think they're. Maybe that maybe it's time to evolve it. Like the fact that Steph can make thirty five footers. Maybe there's like a seventh ball rack and it's just 35 feet away. Yeah, There's got to be something. Why haven't we changed this at all? I would also bring back the Miami Vice music from the first couple of years, but that's just me. <laughs> well, they did get rid of that shooting stars, which was like the same thing where you had to make the half court shot, basically. They got rid of that. Chris Bosh won it like three years in a row. You know, they had it like... Was, it was a horrendous event. Yeah, so they should just take a piece of that now that that event is gone. Just put it in the three-point But I'm not saying half court. I'm just saying like a 32-footer. Sure. And by the way, damn you to the TNT director who cut away when everybody knew Steph was going to shoot that half court shot at the end and he's showing Kobe with the fake Kobe smile on his face. <laughs> sure. We had to live through that again. Yeah, he was so thrilled that someone else made a trick shot at the end of his farewell game. Yeah. The Kobe love was unbelievable i was blown away by the actual game when they had the first package of the all-stars like pretending to love kobe then they had magic johnson come out and then they had the second package of... also kobe mic'd up saying like speaking in spanish to pal yeah. gasol and be like i want to post up pal vamos i'm like i'm like into the pageantry of kobe bryant but this was a bridge too far for me this <laughs> yeah. was ridiculous <laughs> somebody asked me what i thought of the new scripted series on sunday night and I was like, everybody pretending like Kobe? They're like, no, no, vinyl. I was like, oh, I, sorry. I was confused. Um, I mean, the, the all-time nadir for everybody pretending to be sad that somebody reti- was retiring was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which I was there for that. And it was funny watching. I made fun of Tolan, who my friend who did the Kareem doc, because they had a whole part about when Kareem went to Boston and the fans applauded. I went to that game. We were all so miserable that we had to pretend we liked Kareem for two and a half hours. Nobody liked Kareem. Not one Celtic fan. Nobody liked watching him. No, We just rooted against him. And we're all happy he was leaving. Uh, the Kobe thing's a little different, but I don't think he's connected with his peers like we're being led to believe he did. You know, you saw the thing of Curry standing next to him getting autographed shoes. And the, there's a warmth that just wasn't there. Yeah. You know, I was like, that, hey, I, th- thanks, man. There was, there's, I saw a backstage video, video of him and Karan Butler that where they seem to be friendly. <laughs> okay. But I think Karan Butler might be friends with every single person. Everyone yeah, seems you like can't it. judge with Karan Butler. Yeah. Um, I love looking at all star pictures of like who's hanging out with who at the various parties and Kobe's in none of them. Like literally zero. Yeah, I remember at the. Uh, no, I'm not going to tell this. I think you were talking about this the other day, maybe with House, but about like the new generation of guys. The and three it generations. It was weird because I saw. It was weird looking at a picture. I think of the dunk con the guy standing on the sidelines for the dunk contest. First of all, it was hilarious because they were all dressed up like they were in John Carpenter's The Thing because it was so cold. Yeah. So like Carl Towns had a, like a, a Carhartt hat on like in yeah. those in the stadium, but it was Towns. I think Booker, Wiggins. Wall, Wiggins, and I was like, Davis. Oh, that's like the new NBA generation. Like these guys, I'm going to watch these guys for the next 15 years. And they all went to Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thank you, John Calipari. Yeah, you you did it for us. <laughs> the one thing that I uh, don't understand about Kobe is, like, I, I like Kobe, and I've always really liked watching him. When I was a kid, I lived in New York, and I still like really enjoyed Lakers games. But I, I kind of don't understand how his fan base is this big. It's not like he's incredibly personable. Like obviously he's amazing, but like the fact that he still is so popular. A lot I, of Laker fans. A lot of international. A lot Laker of young fans. kids. Um, but international. Like Steph Kobe gets fans. the kids now, right? Like <laughs> yeah, Steph. Steph took the kids over and Tate. And Tate. He took those two. <laughs> I was just um. thinking a really good roommate for Tate would be Mario Hazonia. If if you oh, could man. if you could do you that. You want to talk about Tate coming in without contact? Tweets yeah. by Tate. <laughs> That would be like that Mario and Tate on the town. A summer project. That's like the new Vanderpump right there. (laughs) Let's get Bravo on the line. Pitch the show. You know what else would be good for Tate? Uh, A relationship with our buddies at Betterman. (laughs) How about that for a transition? Um, If you're Danny Ainge, the best way to invest for the future is by trading two rapidly declining Hall of Famers for a boatload of lottery picks, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's what you'd want to do. Uh, that's investing in your future. For everyone else, the best way to invest in your future is Betterment, the automated investing service that provides personalized advice. Lord knows we all need it. Based on your financial goals, then it builds and automatically manages a customized portfolio for each goal. 
I can think of some NBA teams that could have used this. Did it, a lot of the NBA teams didn't seem to have goals at the trade deadline. Uh, save yourself time and money. Give yourself peace of mind. Do it for a fraction of the cost of traditional investment services. Here's how easy it is to invest with Betterment. You link your bank account, roll over your 401k or IRA, and you're ready to roll. It's already managing billions of dollars for over 100,000 customers. You could be next. Get up to six months free of free automated investing and more information when you go to Betterment.com slash BS. Betterment. Investing. Made better. Yeah. Um, Let's do a quick winners and losers from the trade deadline, then we'll wrap it up. I, I would say... Winner, Jeff Green. Hmm. Gets the play. Gets, the, moves yeah. from Memphis to LA. Low expectations. He's not one of the best four players in the team. Might be able to play some crunch time. Might be able to play a little small ball four. Doc with isn't Blake saying about at the him. five. Doc thinks it, there's some weird Doc quote where it's like Jeff Green is the my favorite NBA player who's walked the earth. Or it's, it's some very oh. over the top Doc Doc quote about like how he's fun as a person. All the Celtics people really like Jeff Green as a person. Yeah, they would have liked him more if he played hard every game. But I think they <laughs> liked him personally. They thought he was an awesome guy. Uh, loser, Dwight Howard. Everyone knows that he's just completely damaged. Like. On a chemistry standpoint, stuck on a team that doesn't want him, and the star of his team hates him. This was the league's worst kept secret. And when I went to the 2012 Olympics and just was kind of immersed in the whole basketball circles there, because, you know, it's only a few people there. I visit hotel bars every night. You just hear a ton of gossip, talk to different people. I couldn't believe how, how uh, many people Dwight turned off in 2008. Like, they were delighted that he wasn't at the Olympics. Because I was like, man, you think we can get through this with Dwight? And they're like, fuck that guy. He was like, a lot of that stuff? <laughs> fuck him. We don't need Dwight. <laughs> that guy's a big baby. There was like a lot of that stuff. I was like, Jesus. I, like, how annoying was he? But there's something about him. I think people, you know, look, the guy's made a ton of money. He's had, can't knock his career. But I think there's something about him. The guy's it's followed him the last five, six years. Orlando, he shouldn't have been that unhappy. It shouldn't have ended that badly. No, I mean, in, in retrospect, I wonder if he wishes he never left. I mean, maybe, I, I don't even know what his thought process is about all this stuff, but in, in retrospect, you wonder whether or not he should have just like engineered Stan leaving or something like that, but just stayed in Orlando. It's amazing Stan stayed that long. Yeah. Hmm. Um, a, a winner for the trade deadline, secretly, not really secretly, is the Warriors, because nobody did anything that scares them. Right. Nobody made a move where it's like, oh man, Oklahoma City got... Ariza, Oklahoma City got a flalo or something like that. Like, there's it's pretty much everybody stand pat. They already know what they can do against the league. They can go for the regular season win record if they want. What what do they have to worry about? Stan Van Gundy, big winner of the trade deadline. Definitely, I'm, I'm happy for him. Me too. I was supposed to be on countdown with him in the summer of 2012. <laughs> That's a true story. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, um, it was supposed to be. Magic, Wilbon, me, and Stan Van Gundy. And Van Gundy had already committed, and they were working on his contract. And then I was at the Olympics, and I think I was in... Uh, we After the Olympics were over, I took my family to France for a couple of days. I went to Paris, which was a disaster. French people hate kids. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> my son was a maniac, and we almost lost him seven times. But during this time, I agreed to be on Countdown. It was going to be the four of us. And then, like... I don't know, a couple of weeks later, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, Stan might not be on now. It's like, what do you mean? And Stern squashed it. Really? Flat out squashed it. Two they didn't want to have two Van Gundys. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting sliding doors moments in like five years is going to be the Kerr-Van Gundy Warriors decision. It's a good sliding door because he. what would have happened is he would have done TV for a year or two for ESPN. He would have been on our show. And then I think he gets the Golden State job. And I don't know if Kerr ever gets it. And Kerr's out there just trying to get Carmelo. Kerr stayed more visible. Kerr stayed more visible by with the prominent TNT job he had than SVG was like just going on Levitard's show. He wasn't nearly as visible. And visibility does help with those jobs. Uh, I have another loser. I have a final positive winner. Oh, give a give a winner. I just think we all won because we got a bigger platform for Sean Marks. The R.C. Buford, <laughs> R.C. Buford tree. Spurs I East. I don't believe in the R.C. Buford tree. I'm just going to throw it out there. 
Just show me the receipts. Show me the championships outside of San Antonio. I'm sure that I wonder if there's a social media platform where people can hit you up and let you know about Listen, whether you're wrong. Last week on Jam Session, I came out as questioning Beyonce, <laughs> and I survived. So I, I feel invincible. Buford truthers. <laughs> I will say though, there is there's an art to hiring people. Yeah. It's something I think I got better at as I was there the last couple of years. You learn what to look for and what types of people. And maybe people look at that coaching tree and they just be like, all right, if I'm hiring from that tree, that's I'm hiring this type of person. And that's the type of person I want to build an organization around. Now, I don't want to give the Nets that much credit because who's making that decision on the Nets? Prokhorov's like on jet skis with models and freaking. <laughs> Is it Irina? You know, Italy. I don't know. Is it, Irina? Irina? Maybe. Oh, I, well, then, then big winner. I love Irina, so I, winner. Well, I, I just I'm think, Irina. even if he's a great fit in San Antonio, maybe he's a great fit there. But, like, maybe people should just stay in there. We're like, really questioning Sean Marks here. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's fun. <laughs> just going with it. Let's go with your loser. I forgot who it was, so give me another winner or loser. I was going to make the Sean Marks joke, too. Damn. Sorry. You're oh, pro- I, I've remembered my loser. Oh, great. I'm going to break news here. Yeah. I'm going to break some news. Wait, watch this space for some news? <laughs> no, it's not breaking news. I've been very suspect of Blake Griffin will be back soon, all, the, all those stories about how his hands is four to six weeks, all that stuff. I've never bought into it. I think it's going to be longer than the that. whole season, right? Um, and he also has to be suspended for four games. Mm-hmm. For me, that Jeff Green trade, that Jeff Green trade, was an admission by the Clippers that they don't think Blake Griffin is going to be back when everyone is saying he's going to be back because they needed uh, that kind of small ball four, small forward, another like somebody who could take those minutes. And if you watch Paul Pierce this year, it's not going to be Paul Pierce. There's been a lot of Mabu Amate. There's been some Wesley Johnson. I think they're really, really worried. Like, who do you put next to DeAndre Jordan at the end of a game? Right. And that's how I read that trade because giving up a first round pick in 2019 when they don't know if. Blake's going to be in that team. Chris Paul's going to be 35. Doc Rivers not exactly stockpiling all the assets. Like, that's a pretty big pick to give up for Jeff Green. Yeah. So I'm going to make that a loser with an asterisk just because I'm suspicious. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. I love a good conspiracy theory, especially regarding Blake. Do you think he gets traded in the offseason? I don't know. I've heard he he was pretty he was pretty apologetic. Let me ask you. Let's let's end on this. Let me ask you this. Will we see? Is this going to be a huge offseason for player movement? Are we going to see like Love, uh, Howard, Blake, Durant all change teams? I don't think so. Okay. Do you want to be Matthias Testy or Blake Griffin in my next analogy? I'll be Testy. I stand with Matthias. <laughs> okay. Is it Matthias or Matthias? It's Matthias. <laughs> Matthias? Yeah. You want to be Matthias Testy yeah. this next thing? All right. So you and Fantasy are out one night. <laughs> Knew this is where it was going. I love this story. You're having drinks. It's getting a little heated. What is it getting heated about? Whether momentum exists? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> and you start and you start going hard at fantasy like the ringer would be better without you. <laughs> and you just over and over and you say it and fantasy's starting to get mad and you keep going, you keep going, you keep going. And then he just flips out and starts punching you. Uh-huh. And then we have a whole thing and people write about it. What's like? What's it like four weeks later? With you Sean still have I? like a black eye, but it's healed at that point, and it's like, no, good, we're gonna get past this. But deep down, you want to like run him over in the parking lot, still, right? Yeah. What's What's the analogy? This is, why, this is just like a revenge fantasy. No, I'm just the Blake <laughs> Griffin putting thing. Putting into terms you can recognize. Oh, well, I would like to think that. I mean, the, the thing that makes that a specific case for Blake and that guy is that it is a work relationship, but it's one in which one person is for all intents and purposes subservient to another person like his job is to like get Blake ready get for his a socks, game get tape. like that's that's a difficult thing you know what I mean it's not but I don't have to buddies, get though, like they vacationed and stuff yeah yeah and all the other guys in the Clippers like this guy it's tough when I've had like blow out, I've had very few but when I've had like real like falling outs with my very close friends it's like a years long recovery many years and those weren't Fallouts that ended with somebody repeatedly no. punching the other one. No. No violence or surgery involved. I don't know. I, I, I really 
you know, we're on a podcast. I always worry when we talk about it. I'm just talking about this just like we're three friends shooting the shit. I just wonder how you get over that when it's like an actual physical altercation with punches and somebody. It didn't seem like he broke his jaw or anything, but how does the team get past that? It's really the most interesting story of anyone in the West right now. How does that team heal from that? And also, like, as an employer, like, if you are Doc, if you are someone who, like, is in the front office, like, aren't you then worried about that happening again? Like, just, like, as a straight-up, like, workplace issue, like, a, a fist fight between two employees is a really big deal. Right. And, by the way, I don't know if that's what happened. I mean, that's kind of the theory that's going around that that's what happened. But who knows? It could have been any reason. But at some point, Blake became enraged enough that he started punching the guy, and the guy was a foot shorter. That's also, like, a team... As are like there are several teams. I think we might even see this happen with Cleveland in the playoffs if they're playing Channing Fry instead of Kevin Love, where we do seem to be moving a little bit away from this idea that you just try to get the th- two or three best players possible, put them on the court, and like work around that. To if you have Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan run, running pick and rolls, and DeAndre's diving to the hoop, and then you spread the floor around them, like is that a better team than the one they have with Blake Griffin? So does know. that does that creep into it? And is that like Can you it, play DeAndre Jordan in the last Because it's, it's minutes a totally different conversation game. if the Clippers are 0 and seventeen without Blake. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. But I mean, their schedule is kind of soft for most of this time, right? Sure. I was amazed they didn't trade Jamal Crawford. I think he's like one of the most overrated guys in the league. He looks good once and everybody's like, Oh, Jamal Crawford. It's look at go look at his stats. And he's and he's ball dominator. Tate, would you have fun playing with Jamal Crawford? Tate's shaking his head. Maybe Sean Marks will pick him up. Maybe. I thought they were going to package Jamal Crawford and Lance and go kind of get somebody. And I guess, I don't know. Is Jeff Green? Eh? Wesley Johnson gets a lot of minutes on that team. Yeah. Like, I, I was just thinking, like, without Blake, they don't really have, who's like their second scorer? I guess Reddick. And Chicago didn't do anything. That's no. a loser. Yeah. What is that team? What a mess. They is, tried is to that cut down cheap? the tax. Is that just being cheap? Well, because they're still paying the tax, yeah. though. Yeah. That's crazy. It's a weird team. Anything else we got to hit? No? I feel like I'm a trade deadline loser because uh, I wanted the Celtics to do something. I, feel I was like excited I'm, for it. I'm a trade line winner, deadline winner, because there's just so many awkward relationships to live through now. We're all winners because Marquise Morris left the Phoenix Suns facility on a hoverboard. And, and almost fell, fell off. off. Yeah. <laughs> and did fall off. Thanks to Simply Safe for sponsoring today's special trade deadline edition of the BS podcast. I'm sorry we didn't have more trades to talk about, but uh, the good news is any home security company that says it's free has a huge contract and conditions attached, but not Simply Safe. No long term contracts, 24 7 protection for just $14.99 a month. Visit simplysafebill.com to get my 10% off discount. Thanks as well to SoFi. It's a new kind of company that's sending shockwaves, the good kind, through the financial world. Uh, They don't judge their numbers based on a FICO score. They look at their potential, and if they show promise, they'll back them for life. And because they're not a bank, they can provide services and rates that the banks can't. Discover why banks are not the future of banking anymore. Go to SoFi.com. Terms and conditions apply at SoFi.com. NMLS number 112. One six. And thanks to HBO Now, you don't need cable or satellite to watch HBO anymore. Download the HBO Now app. Start your free one-month trial today. Thanks to SeatGeek, the presenting sponsor of the Bill Simmons Podcast and Channel 33. Thanks to Chris Ryan and thanks to Julia Lippman from The Ringer. The Ringer. Not binge mode, The Ringer. <laughs> uh, sign up for our newsletter. Uh, it's theringer.com. And we're going to be starting an update at probably mid-March. Follow us on Twitter, at Ringer. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com, at Ringer. Uh, all this stuff makes Juliet happy. It's her birthday. You should do all these things. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the weekend. HBD, Juliet. We are about this bitch. Anytime y'all want to see me again, rewind this track right here. Close your eyes. And picture me rolling.